Um, it's, uh, as I said before, a blessing to be able to share God's word with you. Um, if you're a guest with us, I always point out that there's a gold insert in your service folder, at least there should be, um, and uh, that would be a, a helpful resource if you'd like to use during um, our message today. Um, also, one note that um, uh, sections two and three, which are labeled on there as two and two, um, those should be actually switched around um, for purposes of our study today. So um, if you're following along, you'll know what I mean when we get to that point. But about a month ago, um, our kids were on spring break, as I know uh, lots of families had spring break about a month ago or so. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to even talk about the weather. We've talked about it enough, but it just wasn't very good for spring break. And basically, it was an entire week of the kids, you know, being in the house for the most part. And so by the weekend, um, they were pretty much sick of being in the house. Um, and so on one of the days, I forget what Carrie was doing. She was out maybe running some errands or whatever. Um, I decided that I was going to take the kids to the place that almost every Twin Cities family goes at one time or another when the weather's really yucky, um, the Mall of America. And uh, so, we w- so we went there, and I was up front with them that this wasn't going to be one of those Nickelodeon world, ride as many rides as you possibly can type of trips, that dad didn't have that kind of money to spend, and that we were just going to the Mall of America. And we were going to have fun just walking around, going into stores, seeing what we see, you know, just living the Mall of America experience on a budget. And you can just imagine, um, I got a couple rolling of the eyes. Uh, but the reality is, is we went, and I think, from what I heard, that we had more fun than you'd think we'd have. And um, we just kind of walked around and did some things. We stopped at Lego World, and we did some building of Legos for a short time. We went to the Disney store, and Addie pretended like she was a princess, and went to that play castle that they have in there. Um, We got free massages um, at the Sharper Image uh, with those electric display that make you shake and vibrate, and we just spent uh, those display chairs that they have. You know what I'm talking about? I got some weird faces. Yeah, so we just used those. I mean, they're there for display, and we came away with free massages, and the uh, people that work there, I think, were happy to see us move on. Um, (laughs) We went uh, to the Apple store and listened to some music. We went across the hall to the Microsoft store and played some Xbox on the the big screen in there. Did you know there's a lot to do at the Mall of America, even if you have no money? It was was pretty good. And then um, we walked towards a new store, an entire store that I knew nothing about, an entire store dedicated to the boy band um, One Direction. Yeah, it's an entire store. And um, as you can imagine, I was just like so giddy and happy and we got we to gotta go into the One Direction store. Um, truthfully, I was hoping that uh, at least, especially one of my kids wouldn't see it, um, but she did. Um, and uh, I lovingly went in with her. Um, Dad, you know there's sometimes things you do not because you want to, but just because you love your kids. Um, I would put this on that category of going to the One Direction store. And while I was there, I, was, I learned a lot of things. I, I, I learned that the five guys are Harry, Liam, Lewis, Zane, and Niall. Is that right? See? Yeah. Um, I learned that. And thank you. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> Don't ask me tomorrow what the names are because I might forget. But um, And... Um, we enjoyed ourselves, uh, and I would do it again. I would go there again. 
because I love my daughter. But I will say that while I was in there, I felt just a tad uncomfortable. Um, while I was in there, I was surrounded by probably about 30 middle school-aged girls, all gushing over Harry, Niall, Liam, Lewis, and Zane. And um, that was different. There is only one other adult male in the store, and I'm not joking. He was walking around like this, hoping, I think, that no one, you know, would see him, that he knew, see him in there. You know what? Here's what, how I felt. I felt like a stranger. I felt out of place. I felt like a stranger in a strange land being in the One Direction store. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt out of place in an environment um, if you're a Viking fan and ever have a had a chance to go to a game at Lambeau Field or Soldier Field, you probably felt that way. Or a Packer fan at the Metrodome. Uh, if you're a vegetarian and someone invited you to eat at the porterhouse, you probably felt out of place a little bit. But not all of the times that we feel out of place in life are quite as humorous or make us smile. There, there are times where we felt very out of place and it caused a little bit of anger or frustration. Let me share one with you for me. Um, one of the things I love to do in the car is listen to a sports talk radio station. And uh, I, I love listening to their opinions on sports and all that kind of stuff. But it happens every so often where one of the hosts will go from talking about sports to talking about social and moral issues, and it's happened more than once that as I listened to his thoughts on that, let's put it this way, I, I really didn't agree with him as much as I agreed with his sports takes. Um, it caused some frustration of, in me as I heard callers call in and back up what this host is saying that I just... I do not feel at all like I agree with it from a biblical perspective or as a follower of Jesus. And maybe you felt that way listening to radio stations or listening or watching TV and, and, and commentators or even listening to coworkers at work and they've got a strong opinion about something and you feel totally different about it. And sometimes you said something, most of the time you didn't, but inside you felt like, I'm really different. I'm, I feel like, well, like a dad in a One Direction store. I feel strange. I feel like a stranger. Um, kids, you feel this way. You, you uh, most of you um, come from Christian homes, and you go on the bus, you, you go in the locker room for on a sports team, you're in the classroom, and, and your classmates are talking about topics and subjects that you know, you shouldn't be talking about, that your parents shouldn't be talking about, much less you. You hear words said, and sometimes they even slip into your vocabulary because you've, you've heard them said that you know you shouldn't say, and you feel like a stranger because they all seem okay with it, and I know I shouldn't. I think one of the areas where I've seen in my time in ministry this just get worse and worse is in the area of relationships and being in the 20s or the 30 years old category, all right? And, and I see time and time again how if, if a, a couple is trying to follow God's direction for relationships and waiting for, for marriage to live together or for sex, how difficult that is and how much other people 
even their friends and coworkers look at them like, what are you doing? Why are you waiting? And you feel like a stranger. And this thing can go, these types of things, the list could go on and on and on. Today is the most, I think, challenging identity of our series. Um, if you look at the screen, here's the theme section that uh, we have for this series from First Peter. Um, there we go. Um, and we've been just taking these one by one. And the previous identities, like bride, who, who wouldn't want to have someone love you like a groom loves his bride? We'd all, we all want that. And when we took a look at priests, who wouldn't want a close relationship with God so close that he asks us to pray to him and talk to him anytime? Yes, sign me up for that. But then Paul, Peter keeps going and he says, but you are also an alien. And that was the other possible theme for today, um, that we're all aliens, but I thought I'd use stranger instead. But it's basically the same idea. You're an alien in this world. You're a stranger. There's going to be times in your life where you feel like you don't belong, that that's your new identity as a Christian, of doing things that seem to be countercultural, at least if it's part of the sinful culture that we live in. And if you're a Christian, you felt this way. And if you're someone who's kind of getting to church for the first time or coming back to church, you're going to hear some things um, about what Jesus says that are going to surprise you. And you're going to think, you know, and say, I didn't know Christians were supposed to do that. I don't quite understand why they're supposed to do that or why they're supposed to not do that. And yet that's God's direction for us. That's my identity. To be weird sometimes. To be different sometimes. And so for our time together, as we look at two sections of Scripture, what what I'd like us to grow in is to understand the bigger picture of why you're a stranger and what that means, because I think that'll help you embrace the identity that God has given you. Um, As an example, um, going back to the One Direction thing, I was able to embrace that, and I would do it again, like I said. Why? Because it has to do with a relationship that I have with my daughter. When you understand the bigger picture, it helps us embrace an identity that we otherwise may not be so willing or happy to embrace. So we're going to start off right here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Go to the next screen for me. Verse 11. Here's what Peter writes. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain. This is what it means as a stranger. To abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. This whole idea of not only feeling like a stranger, but as best as we can, living it out, is a spiritual issue. And it's one that we all face. Every single person in this room faces it in one way or another. And what Peter writes, because he experienced this, he understood this too, he writes that what this is, what you're experiencing, isn't just culture changing. 
It's a war going on in your soul. And when culture changes, sometimes it gets more difficult, that war. But it's a spiritual issue. It's a war. And we have two choices. To keep fighting the war and living out a stranger, as a stranger, or just kind of giving in to the culture, which we've all done that at times too. Now, I know sometimes, for me, knowing just how much and how often I battle against the things of the world and, and how much I know and live each day that war in my soul. I know sometimes just having the battle makes me feel, well, I guess as a subpar Christian. Just having the battle sometimes makes me wonder, have I learned anything? Have I grown in my faith at all? It's the same thing that I'm battling against, again, this attitude or this this activity or whatever it is. And the thing that I want you to understand is that having the battle isn't the problem. In fact, if you didn't have the battle, that would be the problem. Give you an example of this. When I was a kid, we had an opportunity. We didn't see our family that often because we lived in Texas for a long while. But one time we were up in Wisconsin and uh, all the cousins got together, which, again, didn't happen very often. So about 15 to, to 20 kids. And I don't remember the details of why this happened because I wasn't old enough. But all the parents of these 15 to 20 kids went out and they left all of us to uh, be watched by my great aunt, Okay. So one aunt and all these kids. And needless to say, she had her hands filled. Uh, Clearly not with me, but the rest of the cousins she had her hands filled with. And I can still remember her just getting stressed out. And at a certain point, as she was feeling overwhelmed by this situation, um, here's what she did. She went to bed for the evening. She just, there was no infant, so it wasn't any kid that age. We're all toddlers and up. She just went to bed because she was so overwhelmed. She just stopped fighting. (laughs) And when all the parents came home, you can imagine that things were not like they were when they left in the house. My encouragement to you is that as you feel like a stranger in this world, don't stop fighting. Don't let it. Even when we fall and sin at times, don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let the the sinful culture just take you away. Because if you're not feeling the struggle anymore, if you're not feeling that daily challenge, and and I'm a pastor and I, I feel it every day too. If you're not feeling it though, you're either in heaven Or, the alternative is not so good. Psalm 36 says, Concerning the sinfulness of the wicked, that is, those who don't believe in Jesus, there is no fear of God in the eyes of those who don't believe in Jesus, for their own eyes flatter themselves too much to detect or hate sin. That's a picture of someone who's given up the fight And they're so ingrained in the culture of this world that they don't even see it anymore. And the simple point I'm trying to make is that your daily battle is not evidence of you 
having some spiritual issue that God can't forgive or that you're not a Christian or you don't believe in Jesus, your spiritual battle is exactly the opposite, that you're a stranger in this world and that God lives in you. But sin lives in this world. And that as strangers, you're going to feel out of place sometimes. As Christians in this world, God's going to direct us to do things that are absolutely countercultural from your experience at work, where everyone else is just stepping on whoever they can to climb the corporate ladder, and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. And I may not get as high in the, in the organization, but that's not what I'm about. Or you may not join in on certain conversations or certain activities, and that might mean you might lose a few friends, but are they, young people, really friends you want to be around anyway? And time and, and talents and all those things that God has given to us to, to, to use what we have and the time we have um, and to not allow the world to influence us but to continue to battle and to fight and then return to the Lord for forgiveness at those times that we fail. Now, this isn't easy, but there is something that can help and and something to remember that I pray will, will help you as we go out into the world and live out this identity. Yes, it's partly what we should do. We just talked about that. But there's something else. And for that, we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, this is a a chapter that uh, is a pretty famous one in the Bible. It just kind of lists all of the Old Testament people that God wants us to look up to. And and in our culture, we look up to people because they hit a baseball really well or because they look pretty or they have a lot of green pieces of paper in their bank account or whatever, okay? Here in this chapter, God shows us the people that he feels we should look up to, and the why and wherefore, which all has to do with faith. And and I want you to understand, as, as we read verse 13 in just a moment, that the people mentioned, they had battles with sin. Noah's mentioned in this chapter. He battled drunkenness. Abraham's mentioned. He battled doubt. David is mentioned. And he battled against lust. Even these great people of faith, they faced that battle too. But what is it that they did and remembered that was commended? Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. So they they lived their lives according to faith. And what more does that mean? They didn't receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So God gave them promises. The the biggest one was that a Savior would come. All the guys mentioned in Hebrews 11, they died before he came. And so they believed, but they saw the promises from a distance because they didn't and weren't fulfilled in their lifetime. And here's how they lived out their faith. They admitted they're aliens They're strangers. They're a little weird compared to the the culture of the world. Verse 14. People who say such, such things show that they are present tense, constantly, continuously looking for a country of their own. 
by being and admitting you're an, a stranger, verse 13, what you're saying is, I'm looking for my home. I'm looking for a place in which is my true home, my true country, verse 15. It's kind of a, a side note here. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Um, the writer's just making clear we're on the same page. Not talking about an earthly country. Because if I was, then the people that I'm talking about, they could have gone to that earthly country. I'm not talking about a home like we think of as a home or a country. So what am I talking about? Verse 16, instead, these people were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed Even though they battle against sin, even so sometimes they they fall to sin, by faith, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For, through Jesus, he's prepared a city for them, a home. Here's how Paul wrote it in our section we looked at earlier. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 20. But our citizenship, not will be, our citizenship right now, because of what Jesus has done, is secure. Your home has been made, not with a backhoe and a whole bunch of hammers. Your home has been made through the sacrifice and death of Jesus. It's done. It's completed. And when we remember that our real home is in heaven, you feel like a stranger when you're not there in some ways. All of you have been in a hotel before, stayed in a hotel at least for a night. And uh, I know some people use them, but I've been trying for a very long time, and maybe you just don't think about these things, trying to understand why do hotels have dressers with drawers in them. Have you ever thought this, or am I just kind of weird? I mean, I've never once used it and thought, hey, you know what I really need is to take out my socks and have a sock and underwear drawer and put my shirts in the next drawer and, you know, just set it up like it's home. I've never used the drawers. And maybe some of you have if you've stayed for a while, but I never once have used it, and yet every hotel has them. And the reason why I don't is the same reason why we don't bring a whole bunch of decorations from home when we travel and put them up in the hotel room. It's the same reason we don't check to see what sort of, um, you know, how good of the the school district is in the hotel that we're staying and if they have a good family doctor in the area or whether there's a good bank that we can go to and set up a checking account. Why? (laughs) You're not going to be there very long. I suppose a person could come away from this message today and think, all right, God says I'm supposed to be a stranger, so I'm just going to give up on this life and really not do anything with it. And if that's the impression you come away with, then I failed to best portray God's word. Because that's not what God says. God wants us to use the days and the hours that he gives us. In fact, if we don't, if we waste the time he's given, that's a sin too. If we waste the talents and gifts that he's given to us, then we're not 
the identity that he has given to us. It's not about striving for better or doing the best that you can. That's not what God is speaking against. What he's talking about is a perspective. A perspective of knowing that as I do the best with what I have, this is not my home. That in comparison to eternity, my life is like a night at a hotel that I can barely remember. That someday, um, this sounds weird, doesn't it? 10 million years from now, when you know, some of us know each other in heaven, hopefully all of us know each other. I know we'll all be there, whether we know each other or not, or hang out or whatever. That 10 million years from now, you're going to barely remember what it was like to live here. You think of that? This is your only existence that you know. But 10 million years from now, I'm not going to remember what it feels like to sprain my ankle or skin my knee or what that sorrow is that losing a loved one or death itself. Because it was so long ago, like what? Like a hotel stay. So while you do the best with what you have and use the gifts that God has given you to their fullest, remember, you're not here very long. And help, may that help you to understand that the things of this world, you can enjoy them, but don't make them the most important thing. That successes and career and all that, do the best that you can, and I rejoice with you when God allows you successes. But it's not going to last forever. You get your house just right, someone else is going to live in it someday. Your health may be okay now, but unless Jesus returns, here's one thing I know, every single one of us are going to have health issues <laughs> at some point unless Jesus returns first. But that's okay. I'm just a stranger here anyway, just sojourning through. My citizenship, like yours, is in heaven. And doesn't that help doesn't God's word help to encourage and strengthen your resolve and your faith and your peace? We all like to be liked. We all like to be praised. We all like to be um, popular. I don't care what age you are. We all have that desire for that. There was a, a gentleman named Brian Jackson. Um, you can look it up online. It's, this is a, a news story from a few years past. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and he really wanted to be popular. And so here's what he did. He was a, a bigger white guy, and he went to out on the town in Pittsburgh and pretended like he was um, different players on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So for a while, he was uh, Jerome Tooman, who was a tight end for the Steelers. Um, another time he was Brian St. Pierre, who was a, a backup third string, you know, quarterback. Another time he said he was Ben Roethlisberger, and that's the starting quarterback for the, the Steelers. And he'd put like Steeler names in his contact list, and he'd sign autographs, and he would uh, take pictures with people. I read that one time he even um, went to the, uh, 
the stadium where the Steelers play and, and told the girl that he was with that he needed to go in and get something. So she, he had her stay in the car and he went in and who knows what he did, but came back out. And he, he portrayed this identity that he felt like the world wanted to see. And, and now he is um, on trial for identity theft of a different type than what you would think of uh, normally. I leave you with this question. What matters most about who you are? Brian, this Brian Jackson, was absolutely consumed with being the type of the person that the world views as being popular. And being popular, some of you maybe are, is not a bad thing, okay? But he was so consumed with it and being what the world felt was important that what he forgot was who he really was. And I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but I know who you are. And sometimes that which God has created us to be, a stranger, a forgiven, sanctified child of God, but a stranger, is not always the most popular in this world. And we will fall at times as we face those sinful, those, that war of the soul. But may the truth of Christ's death and resurrection and the purchase of a home in heaven be a reminder of who you are. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you know because your son lived on this earth the, the challenges that there are living in a, a sinful culture who, who so many people don't really care what you say or what your word says. Lord, please forgive us for the times that we've given in uh, to culture. Uh, please uh, forgive us for the times that we haven't lived out our identity. But today, Lord, give us a renewed um, appreciation, not only for who you've made us as your child, but also this identity that we wear, this identity of, of, of being someone who has a home in heaven waiting for us. And to that end, we'd ask for your presence and blessing.